0: Okay, so one year into this conflict, I just um, you know since we've never talked to you, Jeff, you know where are we in this conflict?
2: What well, we are right now is on the ground. I think in somewhat of a conventional stalemate. Uh, obviously, the Russians made some dramatically wrong assumptions at the onset that they could win quickly. That failed. That NATO would not be united in a response with the United States. That failed. And of course, massive military assistance has been provided. And the President's remarks, as well as remarks by the Vice President of the Verkundi Conference, President Trip to Kyiv, I think kind of underscored the, the point, at least, the unwavering support of the United States uh, for Ukraine. But on the battlefield, again, uh, the Ukrainians have recovered a significant portion of the territory they lost during the initial offensive. But Russia still controls about 20 percent of the territory of Ukraine. Uh, they are conducting an offensive right now, heavily emphasizing the use of manpower, really almost human wave attacks, as they've they've expended so much of their military equipment, lost perhaps well over 1,000 tanks, 200,000 casualties uh, in this conflict so far. And that particular offensive by the Russians the last week or so has appeared to make at best limited uh, progress down the Donbass around Bakhmut. And they also have conducted, of course, this massive missile assault against Ukrainian infrastructure. Uh, so that kind sort of seems where we are right now. Uh, if the Ukrainians, I think, can hold off on this particular offensive by the Russians, then in the coming weeks, with the arrival of more military assistance, particularly tanks and the like, I
0: don't know,
2: the Ukrainians may well be in a position to conduct well, a pretty robust counteroffensive.
0: We're talking with retired Army Colonel Jeff McCausland here on Brian & Company, now a military analyst for CBS News. But this my macro question, is and I put it to a lot of people, is it seems like we're equipping this conflict, to, to last longer not necessarily equipping to win. And so what would it and, and we know that that there's obviously some things Putin can do if desperate. So like how does the west, how does the US which is obviously hugely spearheading this support, how can they what do they need to do to help Ukraine actually win?
2: Well, they got to do to make them win is, is first of all provide them the military assistance and you're right, some people would suggest we're managing the war not trying to win it. And the concern has always been that if the West had gone all in at the very beginning, put in a, a no-fly zone, put in aircraft, et cetera, that this might have risked uh, escalation with the Russian Federation, because I think it's, we have to keep reminding ourselves that we're in potentially the most grave nuclear crisis we've been in since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that could go very badly for a lot of people. Uh, but it has not in the, in the last year. So the concern has always been at what level of support to you reach where you tip that scale on the Russian side to them then escalating and things getting particularly out of control. Uh, over time, obviously, we have slowly but surely escalated in terms of providing tanks and heavy artillery and the like. Um, <clears throat> but w- where is that point where you have convinced the Russians they can't win on the ground, but also have not put in a position of escalation where then the possibility of some meaningful negotiations which respect Ukrainian sovereignty could actually occur.
0: You know, we're tight on time. But what about planes? Are they going to get planes from the West?
2: I don't think they're going to get planes anytime soon. I think we might see Ukrainians going off to be trained on aircraft. And I've talked to people that says, that, you know, a well-trained Ukrainian pilot can probably learn how to fly an F-16 in four to six weeks. I think right now, in talking to Ukrainians, I have on the ground, what they really need is more artillery, artillery shells, mortars, uh, and that kind of stuff to particularly beat back this offensive. And the wherewithal with these t- the arrival of these tanks to maintain those systems so they can begin that counteroffensive.
0: Well, last question for you: We're talking with retired Army Colonel Jeff McCoslin, military analyst for CBS News. Uh, Putin. Nobody knows what he could do or would do. How worried are you about him ba- if he's really backed into a corner here?
2: I'm quite worried about that because more and more the Russian system seems to be a unitary system. Uh, more and more, everything seems to collapse around Vladimir Putin. Uh, we've seen him take out people around him. We know that he has is an isolated personally He's been isolated for the last couple of years, based on COVID. And there's only a handful of advisors that and that seems to be dwindling that he probably turns to. He also knows that in many ways, not only is this um, about success for Russia, but it's about his personal survival. Can he, if you will, go back to the Russian people after losing 200,000 soldiers, which is what he has in terms of casualties, uh, and then and tell them that well, this didn't work, and then personally survive? So. I worry that this is, for him, a personal existential crisis as well as a crisis for the entire country.
0: Well, listen, on a busy day, uh, we appreciate the time, and uh, thank you for your service, and thanks for the time. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.